Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New Year's is now in the rearview mirror. By now, some of the excitement about our New Year's resolutions may be dying down, much like my excitement for Chelsea Football Club as we get further and further into the season. If you're looking for performance apparel that can help give you the extra push you need to keep up with your health goals, Viore has you covered. Viore creates incredibly versatile and comfortable active wear designed to look great in everyday life in and out of the gym, or in my case, on or off the tennis court. Plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint by offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 and beyond. They are utilizing better sustainable materials for their products, empowering your best active life. With Viore, you can feel good about the things you buy and also how they are made. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash MIB. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash MIB. Not only Will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any US orders over $75 and free returns. Trust me, go to viore.com slash MIB and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. Yes! Oh, it's Rog, it's Wednesday, and what have we just witnessed? Everton have just made the promised land. And by promised land, I mean, well, low standards, the fourth round of the FA Cup. Oh, and by witnessed, well, it wasn't on TV, so I'm lying about that too, as we will discuss. Uh, Forest fans, you're still suffering in your own game against Blackpool, but that's the least of your problems, isn't it, right now? Because you and us together on the Premier League's point deduction naughty step. Oh, let's do it. Bad boys stick together, as George Michael once told us. Tonight, we'll dig into it all. We'll take your questions. You can come up, talk to me about any of it. We'll touch on Mourinho, Gio Reyna and the magical Mel Swanson. We'll also go deep. Oh, I'll give you my thoughts on Everton's points deduction. Um, well, it's really Everton points deduction too. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Been there before. Nothing to fear. Um, yes, Everton and Forrest are up on FFP charges. Everton, while still appealing our, our first 10-point deduction, uh, which is the most inconvenient sequel since I still don't know what you did last summer, but I won't be doing it alone. We will rock it together with your questions. And we are here to do it live on YouTube Live after a slew of FA Cup replays that have interrupted Premier League winter breaks up and down the nation. Um, a bit like a lone school day right in the middle of spring break, but we're grateful to have it. We're grateful to be with you. That's why I care about tonight's FA Cup games. Dear GFOPs, to be able to answer your questions live here 
on the YouTube and on the pod. Here's how it works. Scan the QR code in the top left of your screen. Do, 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 do. And that'll take you into a Zoom. It sounds far more complicated than it is. Uh, you'll get into a Zoom with our producer, Jake. He's not going to survey you. He's not going to probe you. There's nothing to be afraid of. He's going to get you right up on the stage um, to ask your question and chat with me in whatever drunken state you are right now. And I know this sounds complex. It's not. Come on, click on that QR thingy-majig and come and be with me. It's audio only. You won't be on the video. Smash the like button if you're here and get stuck in on the comments. We will bang a bunch of those up. God, it's great to be with you. And let's start with a toast. Raising tonight's third first Bud Light of the day. I've actually just finished it before I came on. Uh, to Lionel Messi. Uh, and Aitana Bonmati, who won the best players at the truly awfully named FIFA Awards, the best. Is that really all they could come up with? That's like, I'd love to be in that creative. What can we call it? I know, the good. I think we can do better. I mean, God, the award itself honestly looks like an office tchotchke that you get for being like best regional salesperson uh, in Northeast Ohio. I honestly never understand, I've got to say this, why football award ceremonies on television are so awkward, so starchy, and just so easy to deliriously rubberneck and watch. Um, they should be joyous. They shouldn't be so corporate. Um, but there was a lovely moment when the iconic martyr, top ever goal scorer, either male or female, in World Cup finals, 17 goals, first player to score in five successive tournaments, uh, was presented with a special trophy, um, it was beautiful to watch her for more than 20 years of, quote, stellar service to the sport. She's magnificent. But it was announced that the best women's goal of the season will now be called the Martyr. Uh, in parallel with the Puskas, which I think is really beautiful to have a Martyr and a Puskas. Um, in terms of the voting on the US side, this was interesting. I did get a kick out of... Uh, <clears throat> The captain and the coach ballots. Christian Pulisic voted as his uh, male vote number one, Messi. Um, number two, Mbappe. Number three, Haaland. Uh, yes, he he resisted, I don't know how, the temptation to vote for Serginio Dest. Greg Berhalter's ballot, though. Well, the bad to take a swig there, just to prepare myself for this. Um, honestly, Greg Berhalter's ballot was akin to Greg deciding to unfurl a pair of Air Jordan 1 highs in the lost and found colourway uh, just to coach a World Cup game. Greg went, number one, Rodri. Yes, number two, Haaland. Number three, Messi. Greg, um, oh, we got ourselves a football hit start at the wheel. That's what he has just shown us. Um, by the way, I did hear separately but connected, Sebastian Legette was apparently devastated not to make Greg's ballot, took it hard. Okay, to tonight's football, the main event, the FA Cup third round replay on a cold, cold night at Goodison Park. And it ended, I'm not making this up, it ended Everton 1, Crystal Palace 0, a game so bad it was deemed not fit for television broadcast. Yes. Yes, I was. my mind was blown too. I actually be candid. I am a professional, but I wasn't prepared for this. I didn't know until right before kickoff. I got into the work slack where there's, a, I've got to say, a lot of Evertonians. We do hire a lot of Evertonians at Everton. It's not a requirement, but it's just happened. And like everyone was in there being like, WTF, mate? Where, where, how do we get this game? This is a rare game in the modern period that was not televised. Really anywhere in the world, there was not. I didn't look for them. 
but apparently there was not an illegal stream to be found. Um, it's because the English broadcaster ITV chose to show Blackpool versus Nottingham Forest, I think which came as a result of the FA Cup broadcasters in England getting a lot of crap for previously prioritising Premier League ties for broadcast when they should be showing potential cup upsets and underdog fixtures. Okay then. So we had to follow along like back in the old days when I was a kid on the radio, which is... Like such a different muscle. Don't know if you, any of you recently have followed the sporting thing um, on the bloody radio, but it like, I haven't done it in a long time. Radio was how I used to follow Everton as a kid so much when I couldn't actually get to the game. Um, And it demands so much of the listener, concentration and imagination. I have very little both of those to be candid. But when you're following a game on the radio, the person's speaking and you have to construct little images, little dreams in your own head about what you're hearing. Dwight McNeil, oh, what does he look like as he scurries up the wing? So I did a lot of that tonight. Took me back very nostalgically uh, to being a kid, um, to dream, big dreams, always have hope as the voice gets a bit more excited. That's what it was like when I was a kid. Tonight, I heard I'll be candid. A lot of drudge. It was, let's say, a scrappy game. Palace had a lot of the ball early, could do nothing down the flanks with it. Um, Everton lacked any sense of creativity or um, inspiration of any kind. I was actually getting a lot of texts from mates who were at the game, freezing their ass off. Um, one of them wrote, Andre Gomes, God bless him. If he wasn't so handsome and could just coast on his handsomeness, he would never have gotten close to being a Premier League footballer. Genuinely, that text dinged in. And then within seconds, because of that text, I like to believe, Andre Gomes stepped up. And well, I only know what happened because a fan happened to post a video of this goal on the Everton score, uh, on Twitter that they shot off the Everton replay board. Um, he arced a free kick over the wall and pinpointed into the left-hand uh, corner, the goalkeeper's left. Um, Everton's first goal. This is what is magnificent. This is amazing. I am not making this up. This is what we saw. No, we didn't. This is what we imagined with our own ears tonight. It was Everton's first goal from a free kick direct in 1,848 days. Over four bloody years, I've been watching Everton footballers. I mean, I was delirious when I read that. I was like, yes! But then I realised, how many... Hours have we spent watching Everton, getting excited and we got a free kick and just seen some arsehole just boot it right against the wall. Over four bloody years of our lives, Everton fans, we will never get back. And what's the logical conclusion? Don't hate me, but I think we should play more untelevised games because we are unstoppable when we cannot see what the hell is happening. It's been the televising all this time that's effed us. We should show that as our defence to FFP. It was because they televised our games. Everything would have been different without that. But around 70 minutes, Roy Hodgson pulled off pretty well half his best players, including Eze. He wanted to preserve them for the weekend game against Arsenal Football Club. And the radio commentator, by the way, this radio commentator is employed by Everton Football Club. 
Um, so like he's slanting it towards making it seem amazing. Even he said at the final whistle, Everton fans not going mad. They know their side ambled over the line there. God, to more ambling is all I will tell you. No, less televising, more ambling. And that was our Everton march on to host Luton Town in the fourth round. I believe again. Remember what I said after the first game against Crystal Palace? That I didn't believe and I didn't care. And I'm not going to let myself fall for this. I'm not going to believe we're going to go all the way to Wembley in the FA Cup anymore. Scratch that. We're going to win it all. Oh, great question in the chat from the wonderful KM Byrne. Rog, would you rather win the FA Cup and get relegated, a.k.a. Wigan, or crash out to Luton and stay up? Why do we have to play this game? Why can't we have it all for a change, Everton fans, KM Byrne, instead of having absolutely nothing apart from a kick in the down belows, as I will describe in a moment? Um, what would I prefer? God, also in the chat... Um, Michael, oh, I can't read that. Michael Egan um, needs some Harry, Carey and Vince Scully Jr. to call that Everton match on the radio to make it worth taking in. Oh, my God. How about that seventh inning stretch at Everton Football Club? A one, a two. Can you mash up Spirit of the Blues and take me out to the ball game? That would be a mashup. I will invest in AI to make happen. Um, but in the other games tonight, the Tangerines of Blackpool. <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. In an American accent, the fighting Tangerines. Well, they were fighting tonight. They fought back from two goals down against Nottingham Forest, pegging them back at twos. Game currently in the second 15-minute uh, period of extra time. Don't worry, America. Matt Turner is sitting out and is rested, so Forest fans cannot blame him for whatever happens. Um, Bristol Rovers, I think this was final. Uh, Norwich came back in that one. I was gutted because Bristol Rovers scored first. Um, and the winner plays at Liverpool. Bristol Rovers, one of the best nicknames in all of football. The Gas. I just love that. I would love to support. I mean, you get a Tums sponsorship in a heartbeat. I hope Tums are their shirt sponsors. Um, third tier Rovers are called The Gas because their stadium used to be by a gas works. I just love that. Um, so to recap, I don't like the name The Best for the FIFA Awards, but I do like the name The Gas uh, for Bristol Rovers. Um, God bless. To the dark news. Can we get into this? Oh, um, quick update. Yes, I just flashed on my screen. I got excited for a second. I was thought I was going to give you an update. But instead, let's plummet into the madness, the darkness, the chaos uh, for Everton and Nottingham Forest fans. I do believe, and you've got to bear with me here so we can really talk about this. Um, I actually believe it's chaos for the Premier League to a large degree. But first of all, here's the news. If you've not heard it, um, the two teams, Everton and Forest, have been referred to an independent commission over an alleged breach of the Premier League profitability and sustainability regulations. Forest have become just the third top flight club to be charged with a breach of the league's rules after reporting losses that exceed the allowed amount over the three-year reporting cycle. Everton, we loved it so much being the second one. We've done it again, apparently. Bit akin to the James Franco first-time meme. Um, that's who we are. This is the second time we've been referred, not just the second time, but second time this season. The 10 points that have already been taken off us, uh, taken off us are still under bloody appeal. Um, on what planet does this happen? 
Um, we'll dive into this. In terms of the case, both Everton and Liverpool have been referred to the chair of the judicial panel who will appoint separate commissions to determine the appropriate sanction. This is bonkers. It's mad. I mean, I'm sorry I have to say these phrases, but I do need to answer these questions. Um, for process freaks who want to know the technicalities, the clubs have 14 days to submit their formal responses. And under league rules, the hearings must be concluded within 12 weeks. I just love the notion that Everton have just turned around to Beto and said, love, can you write our response, please? Just make it a formal one. What the rules well, what we know is this, that the club are in breach of profit and sustainability rules if the calculation over the relevant period of three years is a loss in excess of $133 million. Uh, that's reduced a little bit if they've come up from the championship like Forest. Both teams are mounting their defences. Um, but Everton, what can I say? <sighs> A good friend of mine, a proper blue, grew up traveling home and away, lives in the United States now. Um, Scott, he texted me uh, when the news broke through and he said, I don't know what to do with the latest on Everton. It feels like we're all just living in some kind of hidden camera prank show and the host is going to jump out from behind the cameras and just tell us that we've all just been punked. That's the feeling of just surreal madness that we're engaging in. At this point, honestly... I kind of believe, or I'm telling myself this, that the club I love uh, is dead, that it died a long time ago. Pretty well when Usmanov, our oligarch, had to leave the club. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Post-invasion of Ukraine, that was Russia's, not Usmanov's, but but he was so complicit uh, in the Putin regime um, that he had, to, he had to step off as his money um, was impounded by the British government. Um, as a result... I kind of think, you know, I've talked about this. When you cut a chicken's head off, it will run around still the nerve ends. It'll still move. But at the same time, it's very, very dead. That's kind of what I'm telling myself. And I'm not sure if I'm managing my own worst expectations. But Usmanov, um, who is he? He's one of Putin's most dedicated oligarch funders. Uh, and the part that's not talked about in all of this chaos in the Premier League at the moment um, is... The people we've let in as owners, as investors, you know, so few questions have been asked. Ours, um, Usmanov was this oligarch up to the hilt with Putin. Um, Forrest was, you know, you see him on, on the games. He's the big Greek gent. Um, I just read uh, this week a New Republic investigation. I'll just say he's very involved in global shipping. And you can Google the New Republic and the name Evangelis Marinakis, and you can see what kind of shipping uh, he has been involved in. Um, but the city thing, we know. We know who city's owners are. The Newcastle reality. I mean, we're discussing this on the day in which it's been reported that Newcastle's chairman, Yasser Arunian, is facing a $74 million lawsuit for allegedly having carried out the instructions of Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman with, quote, malicious intent. How do you know Mohammed bin Salman? I thought Newcastle was nothing to do with Saudi Arabia. Um, but it, it, go and find this. It's all over the headlines today. Apparently, legal papers have been sent everywhere to Ramayan, including St. James's Park. Can you imagine being in the mail room there when this comes through? Um, that says that their chairman acted with the aim of, quote, harming, silencing, ultimately destroying the family of the kingdom's former intelligence chief, a gent called Dr. Saad al-Jabri. Um, you know, I know Newcastle is not owned by Saudi Arabia, but Rumiyan also just happens to be the governor of the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. 
uh, the Sovereign Wealth Fund, the chairman of the state-owned petroleum company, uh, Aramico. Also, he's the chairman of Live Golf. Um, more to come here in his human darkness. But this is what the league has let in. And by the way, when I read the story, on one hand, I've got to hand it to Ramayan. He is quite the bloody multitasker. Um, but more on that story, I'm just trying to say this is what happens when the checks on who is coming into your league are not, you know, are not diligent, due diligence. It's more just like, show me the money. This is what you open yourself up to and the money can be there and then it's not. But what does it mean for Everton, beautiful Everton? Currently just one place, one point above the relegation zone. Um, 10 point deduction already uh, given to us. We beat that one. Uh, so another one incoming. That appeal still being held. Mad this, by the way. The 10-point deduction was for many of the same years. Stay with me here. The, the first 10-point um, deduction was for a three-year period. Um, the next challenge that's been given to us is about just an additional one year and two of the years that led to the first one. What it means is two of the toxic years that led to that first 10-point deduction thing, they're contributing to this second charge. There is, I did a law degree, a thing called double jeopardy in most legal systems, but not in this process at all. And the amazing thing is to everyone who said, well, you shouldn't have spent so much on transfers, should you? Only Brighton and Luton have had a lower net spend on transfers than Everton over the past five years uh, in terms of current Premier League teams. Sean Deitch, um, who has barely been able to bring in a living, breathing human being. Uh, to the Everton Football Club. Um, and Everton's defence revolves around the fact that they're being punished for losses connected to the building of the new stadium at Bramley Moor Dock. Um, and because, and I've explained this a number of times now, the second Putin invaded Ukraine, oligarchs had their money frozen, Usmanov chief amongst them. He was the first to get his big mega yacht pulled, by the way. Well, I read a headline, I remember when it happened, yeah, oligarch gets mega yacht in power. I was like, please don't let it be Us Oh, it was Usmanov. Okay. Of course, it was bloody Usmanov. He just agreed on a $250 million agreement to sponsor our new stadium. Essentially, I think 40%, was it 45% of Everton's sponsors were his many businesses. We lost them all. When that happens, you have a massive deficit to fill. God, Putin, you were the butterfly wings that killed my club. Um, and Deutsch is left out there hanging. I feel for so many people here. I feel for Sean Deutsch. I really, really do. Because our current owner, or the one left behind by Usmanov when he upped and, uh, uh, and decamped, Usmanov's former oil partner, Farhad Mashiri, he was just a front for the whole operation. He doesn't have a pot to piss in. He's desperate to sell the club. Oh, more on 777 in a moment. But our chairman, longtime chairman, Bill Kenwright, uh, a gent who loved the club but held on for far too long, he recently passed away, so he's no longer there. So Everton essentially have no spokesperson to counter any of this. Um, I mean, I'm not their bloody spokesperson. The one person who's speaking on all of this is poor Sean Deitch. Honestly, it's a travesty. Dude's our manager. He's hardly been there. Wasn't even around when most of this happened. He should not be the one going out there and being the spokesperson to defend us uh, on the daily. But he has spoken beautifully. I found it very touching about how desperately he's tried to comply, how desperately what the club have done, how he speaks beautifully about what this club, Everton Football Club, means to the city of Liverpool. Um, what the new stadium could do for the economy, for jobs, for life, for everything. Thank you, Sean Deitch. I've got to tell you, thank you, mate. You didn't have to do this. You didn't even have to stick around. You could easily have upped and off and been like, sod this. 
But my God, it is beautiful to see you speak up as an advocate for the city, for the club, for the fan base. I feel so sorry for the fans who've done nothing wrong. Um, I've constantly, honestly, cried out for the idiocy of the ownership, but it has been, it's been like screaming into the void. Um, we have no real sense of what could happen now. We have no real idea, the punishment, what could it be? None of this is clear or transparent. Honestly, we thought VAR was unfathomable. This process makes VAR look pretty sane and competent in comparison. Um, because, I mean, I want to be clear. This is not why we watch football. We don't watch football to engage in matters about forensic accounting and legal protocols. Or if you do, let me introduce you to a world you might enjoy more. The world of forensic accounting and legal protocols. Because, God, we're going to watch this entire season play out. And the final positions at the end, they won't be where we end up. This is only going to be sorted out once we lawyer up. That's what we're going to deal with. We're going to battle the Premier League with the best lawyer that we can all afford, all of us. So many of the teams are going to lawyer up. I know this now. Why do I know this? I hate that I know this. Everton's lawyer is Lawrence Rabinovitz. God, I hate that I know this. Um, I only know this because the headlines in the sports, these are sports page headlines. Um, the Lawrence Rabinovitz is, quote, an elite super silk lawyer. I'm very pleased we got to say, I don't know what a super silk lawyer is, but bloody hell, I'm so bloody pleased we got one. Um, if you ask yourself, is your team got a, is your team got a super silk? Have they? Hey, come at us. We got a super silk. Um, I'd all know, and I, why do I know this? He's acting for Hewlett Packard in some $3.4 billion claim they're involved in. Get in, Lawrence Rabinovitz. And by the way, it's Hewlett Packard. And Everton in the same corner. Maybe we can do some kind of sponsorship deal, a joint deal. I don't know. Lawrence Rabinovitz, he's like a new signing. Honestly, watching football has become, um, I mean, it's become mad. It's become like one of those shows you watch, like um, that start off as like a rom-com or a funny comedy, but end up as a serious police procedural or courtroom drama, like Legally Blonde. You know, we're laughing at the beginning and suddenly we're in a court case defense and an inadvertent solving of a murder. How did that happen? Um, but the optics are insane for Everton. Another charge hitting the club before the first appeal has even been heard. Um, honestly, it undermines so much, not just for Everton, um, but for for the Premier League as a serious competition, as you can hear by me just having to walk you through this madness. By the way, Jake Hookey in the chat says, Big Sam should be Everton's spokesperson for our phantom crimes. I'd love Big Sam. Yeah, objection! He'd be so good at that, wouldn't he? Just like, overruled! No, I'm overruled myself! Oh, sod it, I'm going to have some more white wine. I don't understand any of this at all right now. And honestly, here's what I've decided. I don't think anybody does. Because yesterday, the Premier League CEO, and if you've not seen this, you should find these clips. I'm trying to say this with a straight face. The Premier League CEO, Richard Masters, had to appear before a parliamentary body at a hearing of the Culture, Media and Sports Committee. Yes, this was before real live members of parliament. Um, let's just say it was a bit of a mid-performance, a bit of a, high, uh, a Kai Havertz shift by the Premier League boss, um, which Oliver Holt in the Daily Mail wrote, Masters evasive, opaque, defensive, flat, uninspired, tone-deaf answers merely confirmed the suspicion that there's one approach to deal with clubs like Everton and Nottingham Forest and another for Manchester City. 
who face a legion of accusations about alleged financial infractions. Um, but anyway, the low light was when by accident, after saying that there is a date for City's hearings, but he couldn't tell us when it is, um, by accident, and I hope it was by accident, um, Masters referred to Everton and Nottingham Forest as, quote, small clubs which made it very, very clear or created the perception, one or the other, um, that there is one rule for big dogs um, and the others, the small clubs, different, different playbook. Um, and honestly, the highlight was Masters having to keep a straight face as the chair of the committee told him um, that if they were at a match and he, Richard Masters, was the referee, she'd be singing, you don't know what you're doing. Um, and here's the biggest reality at the moment. Uh, for both the Premier League, for Everton, for Forest and Manchester City, that the 115 charges do loom so large at the moment. Um, yes, Everton were facing one charge, less complicated, could be done, dealt with quicker. But the longer the City case drags on now, the longer the City hire more lawyers. Are they super silks? I'm sure they've got several dozen. We just have one. City, I imagine, have like, you know, the Harlan and Rodri and um, KDB, just legions of super silks that they've purposely hired. They've admitted this to drag. They want to drag this case out until like, until Greta Thunberg's worst nightmare comes true and the planet explodes. The more doubt, the longer it goes on, the more doubt it casts over the league, the sporting legitimacy of it, the competitive nature of it uh, over City's achievements. Um, Asterisk just hover. It can become a farce, all of this. Um, By the way, um, when asked about this, Mosses was asked, how does it make the competitive aspect of the league? How is the league not meaningless at the moment by taking points away from teams and hurting fans for actions done two or three years ago mid-season as opposed to like fining owners? He kept saying the rules are clear. Um, He was then told they weren't clear. um, And when it came to City, he kept saying on repeat, I can't go into that today. Um, he was then told by members of parliament, it all looks, quote, very fishy, which is like the most English thing ever. Mm, it's a bit fishy um, that foreign-owned massive teams can do whatever they want, uh, buying best lawyers. Uh, Masters told MPs a date has been set for City's 115 charges, but he, quote, can't say when that is going to be, pointing to conf- confidentiality. By the way, this is all so mad that today the Daily Telegraph broke massive news that there will be, quote, developments in the Manchester City case as early as next week. Um, But then they had to add, although precisely what they are is unclear. That's where we are. This is what passes as news at the moment. Um, All of this was done, by the way. Can we just give some applause where it's needed? With an audience member, Julie Clark. Julie Clark, I have not met you, but you are an incredible human being. Julie Clark is a member, I believe, of Everton Fan Advisories Board. And Julie Clark sat right behind the Premier League CEO, Richard Masters, wearing an Everton T-shirt. So you had all of this going on with a woman sitting behind, just giggling away. And Julie Clark almost fell off her chair um, when, when one of the lines was, we want to be open and transparent. God bless you. JC is awesome. Um, here's what I realized watching this, and I'm going to take your questions um, in a second. Here's what I realized. Watching this process play out, Everton's mistake was to commit one crime because this whole system is actually designed to encourage more mistakes, more crimes. Commit just one. Punishment's instant. Um, but the more you do, say 115, the more complex it is, the more you can just push it off to like, yeah, when the apocalypse comes, if you commit just one crime, it's done. A crime so big, 
115. No one will believe you or understand it, and you can just tie them up into a legal ground game, run the Premier League lawyers' bills to a place where the Premier League do not want to go, and then walk away intact and asterisks. Our biggest mistake, I do believe this, was to do just one infraction. You should do hundreds. Alex TW in the chat says, our VAR in charge of fitter and proper ownership reviews. I think it'd be good if they were. Check complete. Good protest, boys. By the way, it does get worse for Everton. The takeover by 777, which is now dragging on weirdly for a very long time. And Richard Masters actually said, yeah, there's still due diligence to be done, even now. Um, according to every report in every newspaper, um, they do sound like they make Ponzi scheme operators look really preferable. Um, 777 are the American group who own a network of teams that they brought all these distressed teams. Um, many of the teams had massive financial problems when they were taken over. They are bigger ones now. Um, 777 just had a monetary transaction yesterday blocked by the Bermuda Monetary Authority. When, when, you, when you know how dodgy they are and that they're stopping you from doing business, it's not good. Um, it was announced yesterday two of 7777's sources of funding are being investigated by financial watchdogs. This is not good. Lawsuits are piling up. Uh, their subsidiaries are reported to be taking out loans at 52.5% interest rate. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not an accountant, but I don't think they sound like they're going to be very good fit and proper owners. You know, sometimes I do think this. This is the last thing on Everton. Why us, Lord? Why are we so punished to walk the earth with this blue version of the scarlet letter? Just like Job oh, and Groundhog Day and Sisyphus merged into one footballing dark reality. This is where we are. We're almost at theological levels of questioning, of suffering. Um, and I do, I think of, of great football fan Marcel Prost, who is probably a Villa fan, I imagine. But his line, we are healed of a suffering only by experiencing it to the full. And Everton fans, we are most definitely experiencing it to the full. Quick update. Forrest have taken a very, very late lead over Blackpool. Uh, Chris Wood, I believe, got the goal. Looks like they will go through in other games. tonight. Uh, yesterday, Wolves came from behind twice to set up a Black Country derby against Daryl DK and West Brom at the Hawthorns. Good times. David Moyes in a weakened by injury and AFCON absences. West Ham went down. Early goal. Uh, to, by second tier Bristol City David Moyes used to play for the Robins in the 80s but he was seething throughout it's going to be fascinating to see how the Hammers respond at Sheffield United at the weekend and Newport ended brave National League Eastleigh's FA Cup run with a resounding 3-1 win which means League 2 Newport um, the Exiles will welcome Manchester United to a 7,000 seat Rodney Parade and earn $506,000 when their game against United airs on TV. Oh, so their game will be on TV, but ours won't. I love this though. The Newport manager, Graham Coughlin, happens to have been a massive United fan. And he said, I can't get my head around it. It doesn't happen to people like me. I'm really emotional. I don't know when it will sink in, but I'm sure my family's doing Irish jigs around the house at the moment. It's going to be a hell of an occasion and I can't wait. Honestly, I think they're going to do them. Keep the FA Cup weird. Two quick pieces of news from Europe before we take your questions. Jose Mourinho leaving Roma in tears. Uh, tears in his eyes. Um, were they real? I don't know. But Gent is nothing apart from an incredible ham right now. Dude puts the word ego into egot. Uh, beloved in Rome by the fans. 
um, who have always felt second string compared to the powerful clubs up north. And he made the Roma fans feel alive, the Europa Conference League win. They packed that stadium to watch his teams. I was there a couple of weeks ago. It was amazing. But the football outside of European competition, inconsistent. The league challenge that was expected never came close to happening. Mourinho now fighting to preserve his own narrative, talking about how he didn't get backed by the American owners. Uh, the Freakin family, despite the fact they brought in over $100 million of euros of players in his first summer. Um, Dybala, Lukaku, the league's third highest wage bill. One journalist totted up there were 29 red cards given to Mourinho and his coaching staff over the last two and a half seasons. That's probably his greatest legacy uh, to replace him. It's rumour of turned to former captain Daniel De Rossi, just a club icon, not the greatest manager. 17 games in charge of a Serie B team, I believe, but an epic icon. Um, you know, in classic Roman style, here's an icon, bread and circus. Um, some bubble among American fans that Jose should now come and manage the US men's national team. And I've got to say, don't know what you think about that, but I think we're going to be mad if we think that's the answer. If you look at his modern track record of arriving in a blaze of glory and leaving, well, in just a blaze. In terms of the US proper, Gio Reyna has changed his agent to super agent Jorge Mendes while me uh, messaging that he wants out of Dortmund. The ESPN reporting he's linked to Marseille, Monaco, Leon, Real Sociedad, Sevilla, Villarreal, as well as Portugal's Benfica. These are the kind of reports that are just signaling to the market that Gio's available. Gent has just played 320 minutes in 12 games all comps this season. And the reality is he's maintained a low media profile since the World Cup disaster. So we have no idea of what's really going on inside his head. I will say this. We have watched Gio in happier times dominate games. Uh, and I long to see him create the opportunity to do that week in, week out. Bjorn Stromness in the chat says, Manchester City's punishment should be that they have to have Jose as a coach. I think that's amazing. Finally, congratulations to Mal Swanson, who yesterday signed the richest and longest deal in NWSL history with the Chicago Red Stars. Five years, $2 million. Amazing growth of the women's game continues. She's the first player to have um, a four-year deal with a fifth option. It's beautiful to more to more, to more. Price Picks is the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states across the country, including so many of my favorites, California, Texas, and Georgia. Godspeed, Georgia. I'm hungry for a dozen lemon pepper wet. But back to Price Picks. We've been hearing from so many WGFOPs who are loving double P, Pablo Picasso, Price Picks, which allows them to win up to 25 times their money for the soccer season, is a reason I do appreciate Price Picks because it's simple. During the Premier League match days, I've got roughly 239 tabs on my computer open as we attempt to work out our social media, the pod rundown, the upcoming interview, you get the drift. But because Price Picks is easy to play, I'm not having to constantly click to see how my gents are doing or how many certain actions are worth. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and you place your entry. That is how easy it can be. You also mix and match players from several leagues across the globe. Luca De La Torre, I'm looking at you, as well as other sports like basketball oh, and hockey. Oh, the Capitals. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. It's promo code MIB. Prize picks. Pick more or pick less. It's that easy. 
It's Rog here to tell you about a product that I simply adore. It's been a long-time staple in the Bennett refrigerator, Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. Always bold, always smooth. Yes, that is the very same Stoke as in the mighty Wrexham Fortress, known as the Stoke Kairas or the Stoke Racecourse, Wrexham AFC's home. They support it. They support football, which is just one great reason to love this coffee. It is my go-to enjoy during the football calendar, essentially the opposite of Everton. And you can check out their full lineup of 48 ounce cold brew products, something for everybody from light to dark roast to seasonal favourites in a refrigerated multi serve format. I tell you this, as someone whose blood type is now officially Stoke Espresso Blend, have the coffee house experience in the comfort of your own home and do it now. Stoke Cold Brew Coffee and be sure to follow Wrexham AFC. Big love to all at Stoke. Courage. And to your questions, um, a reminder of how this works here on YouTube Live. Come and be with us. You just have to scan the QR code top left of your screen or click on the pinned comment in chat. You'll end up in a Zoom with our producer, Jake. Do not be afraid. He'll just get you up on stage. Uh, you won't be on screen. Uh, you'll just be audio. Come and ask a question. Smash the like button. Uh, let's start with the great Ray Sal. Come on up, Ray. Remind us where you are and what's your question, you beautiful human being. Hi, Raj. I'm from the Denver area, and I have a question regarding financial fair play in general. So I'm scrolling through the transfer list for January, and it doesn't seem like a lot of teams have spent money. You see a lot of loan recalls and a lot of loans. As a supporter of Tottenham Hotspur, it seems like all we ever really needed was a strong, silent type of Australian nationality. <laughs> Who do you think is going to win this transfer window? And... Is financial prudence finally paying off for some of the clubs in England and around Europe? Oh my God, I love this. That all you needed was a, what did he call him? The Austra strong and silent um, leadership of the Australian variety. Uh, Ray Sal, I adore that. Where are you in Denver, mate? Uh, I'm between Denver and Boulder. Oh God, you are in God's yeah. country. It is so cold there right now, Ray. It is freezing, right? Uh, yeah, we just started to warm up a couple of days ago, but everybody stayed inside over the weekend. Who needs to feel their legs? By the way, your vocals are so incredible. I, I need you to read the next Men in Blazers book on tape whenever that comes out, you magnificent human being. Um, I mean, you're asking a great question. There is a just a paralysis right now that we're seeing in the, um, in the financial market, in the transfer market. Uh, we have Fabrizio Romano joining us this time next week to talk about this transfer window. And it has been, you know, there's been years um, of bounty. This is a window, the January window always a little off, but this have, this is the offest of, um, of, of January transfer windows. What FIFA in a creative room meeting will probably call the worst. Um, Miguel Delaney wrote a really great piece in The Independent today. Uh, where he talked about the reasons why that is the case. Um, I think he said that um, at this time, um, last window, last January window, we have spent 10% of the fees um, compared to that time and 50% and uh, of the window before. And it is a result that um, speaking to clubs, so many of them are terrified. They're not quite sure where they are. It's not like America. I do. I always admire in NBA fans 
their understanding of the cap, the league cap and the financial ramifications and the trades, and they're very able to to talk about the liquidity elements. That's never been part of the parlance of us um, of us football fans. You never hear that other than fans saying, "Spend some money, FSG, for God's sake, sign them or or get out of my club. I want Qatar. Get me Qatari owners." By the way, a slight offshoot there. Fascinating. Uh, going to the Manchester United accounts that were released um, today. Just, you know, the Qataris doing a PR campaign about how much money they were committing and how they made the biggest bids and the reality of their bids and the reality of the the fiscal security. Like, they wouldn't even confirm that they had the money. Um, so, you know, the football fan just wants money to flow endlessly. Um, you know, got to compete. No, There was never a will to say, hang on a minute, this this money that's just been brought in, by the way, by PSG, uh, by Manchester City, where they just raised the the incredible amount of uh, of salaries paid uh, for footballers to a to a pain place where most teams couldn't even come close to competing. So we do need some kind of known structure. I want to be clear: I'm not against some kind of cap, some kind of like um, uh, uh, restrictions. They just need to be known and then run. Uh, we need the Don Garber, is the real. I, mean, I don't mean Don Garber himself, but the league almost needs a commissioner with known rules that are shared, that are deeply communicated, that are utterly understood, uh, and and infractions of. I mean, like what what Chelsea have done with this, just blowing the market open with a billion dollars, but then amortizing it over years. I don't think anyone in football knows a Chelsea over the people know Chelsea are very close to the line. They're not quite sure are Chelsea over the line. Will they be over the line next year because of what they've done? I mean, there's so much that is unknown. And into that race, Al, I mean, so there's been almost a freezing. Like, no one wants to move. It's a, The whole transfer market is like Squid Game, the first game in Squid Game, where like that big doll is at the end just shooting people randomly move. And so everyone's just frozen. Everybody, Arsenal, they need Tony. Tony's now signaling, I want to come. I want to go to a big club. Arsenal don't know where they are. They're kind of paralyzed. They don't know what they can afford. United don't know what they can afford. Wolves certainly don't know what they can afford. And so there is a fear. No one wants to move. Uh, Forrest are reportedly desperately selling people. Why? So they can show the Premier League that they're taking this seriously. That's kind of where we are. So this is... Um, a transfer window of madness. And who does it um, Who does it benefit? Ray Sal, great news. Tottenham Hotspur, who have not been, I wouldn't say they've been fiscally um, uh, strategic. They just have never spent money. They just do not like spending money. They sunk it all into the stadium. They had the couple of years of COVID where they lost double uh, revenue because they weren't just losing uh, Premier League income. They were losing, they, they budgeted, they were going to get NFL money flowing in. So the money at Tottenham has been super, super tight. And so where there has been a pecuniary or a fiscal uh, sanity, yes, clubs like yours, uh, Ray Sal, I do believe will thrive. And I hope they do bloody thrive, man. I hope, I wish you, Ray Sal, true joy, true, uh, true happiness. And I can't wait, uh, Tottenham obviously not playing uh, this weekend. I cannot wait to see them back in action again. Uh, so they bring you true warmth and joy. Rachel, come be with us anytime, you beautiful human being. Next up, it's the great Daniel Malloy. Oh, Daniel, how are you doing, beautiful? Tell us where you are and what's your question. Hey, Raj, I'm calling from a very frigid Detroit, Michigan at the moment. Um, Congratulations, but- man. I'm so happy for you. 
Yes, Red Wings are in the playoff spots right now. Knock on wood, the Lions are doing well. So good times in the Motor City. You deserve, uh, man. You deserve every single moment. 33 years, 33 years without a single playoff win. That's like, I mean, you are to playoff wins what Everton are to free kicks. I genuine joy for you. You deserve all, just all the buddies pizza, man. Just enjoy every single slice. But buddy's definitely the best pizza if you're in Michigan and Detroit. I wanted to ask you over the holiday break, I went out of town to see my folks, and it's probably the only time they're introduced to football and Premier League soccer. And most of the time, it's me having to defend things like why are half the teams called United? What exactly is an Albion? What exactly is a Hotspur? And I have to like explain <laughs> like the intricacies of the English football game and promotion relegation. And mostly they understand it. But last time they stumped me on a good one. So we have VAR that will by the millimeter determine what is offside and what is onside. And we will have the Hawkeye system determine did the ball exactly cross the goal or not. So everything's very technical, except for this one question my dad asked me, who exactly determines stoppage time? And what do you mean you mean it doesn't end at seven minutes or eight minutes? So everything's all very down by the rules, yet we still have this arcane 19th century <laughs> clock keeping system. And I was just wondering, has the concept of a clock stopped reached England yet? Because we have this in like division eight high school football in Michigan. Like every high school has a clock that can stop. Yeah. Is this heresy? Is this considered like you will be kicked out of the realm if you bring this up. Has this ever been discussed? Because, you know what, that kind of infuriates me more than just a simple, like, onside, offside, or what what teams are financially doping. It's just like, when does the game actually end? God, you, you know, one of the joys of doing this job, first of all, um, is that um, watching it with Americans who... I, but number one, this is the greatest place to watch football from. There is so much other than FA Cup, bloody third round replays featuring Everton and Crystal Palace. Everything is on television. So we get to see so much. But also, you know, American, sport, American sports fans, so passionate, so knowledgeable, so intense. Like the knowledge base here is so remarkable. Um, but you also, we get to examine the game, or I've really enjoyed one of um, MIB um, is, is seeing it through fresh eyes. Uh, watching and asking these kind of questions for the first time. And that can go, you know, from the, the first ever rave and the first ever letter we got to meninblazers at gmail.com was one about um, uh, why do, um, have sunglasses not been invented in England yet? That was the letter. And I, I, the letter was like, why is it that whenever they show the managers on the sideline and it's mildly sunny, there's like the managers squinting and then there'll be like a thousand human beings behind them in the crowd, all with their hands over their eyes squinting too. have sunglasses not been invented. And, and you did you, like the, 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 nowadays with like electricity, a number of English people do have sunglasses. But even in like 2014, 15, that was not the case. And it was hilarious to um, to watch. And the reality is we have thimblefuls uh, of sunlight um, in the winter. And we are a nation of molemen. Um, and that's what we had to explain. Um, but like other people, like Daryl Morey, the GM of the 76ers, who's a great friend of the show, um, you know, he and still does would come and speak to us about why do 
um, goalkeepers pass the ball out of the bat like that. It's insane. And I'd be like, I'd, I'd be like, Daryl, they do it because they're trying to draw the the defenders onto the, they want the attackers onto them. So there's more space in behind. And he's like, I promise you, um, I promise you, if you, um, if you um, look at the statistics, he said he believes that um, in the olden days, when a NBA player would take a shot, everybody would crash um, the boards to get the offensive rebound. But the data showed that was ridiculous and a very poor decision to do. It was just custom uh, that led to that. The stats actually said the second you shoot, you should just retire and get ready to defend your own net. And he's like, I promise you the stats will be that way. It is fascinating. I think Daryl wanted a team called something like launch and squish, long ball and press. Don't play out the back. Too many mistakes. The, st- the stats, he, he believes, leads to two. He's essentially Roy Hodgson's uh, dream uh, general manager. But um, all of this leads to your parents' question, which I welcome and which I love. Um, I'll just say, as an aside, Daniel Malloy, just thank the Lord it's your parents and not your in-laws. Um, because having to explain these intricacies to your in-laws, who, uh, you know, who are just one step removed, uh, it takes a lot more patience. Let me let me tell you that from from unified experience. But the question's a brilliant one. Um, I love that you're throwing in a bit of Michigan boasting. That what did you say? Eighth level Michigan high school basketball has that clock. Is that what you said? Yeah, because in I just could you like imagine like during like the 17th hole of the British Open, some official comes out and says, we're going to add three more holes of stoppage golf. And <laughs> at the end of a Formula One race, we're going to you're add... Make, you're making it sound like the Premier League and the points deductions. You mean like they're just making up as they go along. Here's the here's, a, here's the ethos that you can explain to your parents. What's your, your mum and dad's name, Daniel? Uh, Patrick and Vicky. Shout out to... Oh, I love Patrick and Vicky. Vicky, she's a saint. Um... The um, my mum would say, "Oh, Vicky, she got a heart of gold." Um, here's the issue: um, is that there's an ethos in football, particularly in English football, that oh, the the uh, the grassroots, the the game's got to be constant through the grassroots all the way through to the elite level, which is just farcical, just farcical for so many reasons. It's one of the reasons VAR has resi- resisted for a long time. Why they, you know, why won't you put a chip in the ball to show when it really? Uh, has crossed not the goal line only, but the bloody you know when it's out, when it's actually out, right? Arsenal fans, am I right? Um, and so, um, the, one of the ethos is, is we want the game to be played at the professional level exactly how it is um, at the grassroots level on these muddy pitches on a Sunday when huffers and puffers and pub teams are all trying to kick the crap out of each other. And so that's the ethos is like the referee when it's uh, when it's the fox and hounds pub. Uh, playing up the elephants around the castle uh, on that muddy pitch. The referee, poor bastard, whoever that is, bloody hell, I would not want to be that human being. They're, they're, they're monitoring the game with their stopwatch and only they know with their discretion. But you're right. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And I also think there's another... So that's why it's still done that way in the Premier League, that only the referee knows. Um, you know, I, I, I'll, just, I'll just signal you back to the interview I did with that referee, why am I blanking on his name? The one that retired, the one that got the tattoos of his big Champions League up and down his wrist. Um, you know, Is it Kleinberg? 
uh, yeah, Clattenburg, where, you know, he, yeah. he talked with some wink about how he was more than using his own discretion. He was actually dictating games. So, you know, how that, it is ridiculous. No one knows how they, you know, how most often, even Serian Dark is like, how did they get seven minutes out of that? Um, so we really don't know. We should know. And there's another element, Daniel Malloy, that you hear um, are very fine with sports being entertainment. You're much more comfortable with sports and entertainment melding. Uh, hence, Taylor Swift at Kansas City Chief Games is the greatest thing to happen to the NFL. You know, Todd Burley tries to market a movie during his Chelsea games and everybody wants to go ballistic with the gentleman. It's like we are not comfortable with sport being entertainment. Sport is still thought of as being sport. Um, and the reality is knowing the clock, seeing the clock, having a relate, that would add to your enjoyment as a spectacle. You know, just British sports is not quite there uh, in the American mindset, but I cannot wait. There should be, by the way, there should also be something taken off for referees um, a referee's back. I mean, they have so much to do. They have so much going on in their mind. If only, you know, somebody else could, uh, but we still have this ethos that one human being can do everything, running around that giant field, making all the calls almost solo. Uh, the sooner that changes, the better. And we've got your parents. We've got Vicky. we got Vicky Malloy uh, to thank when that change comes. I'd love when it happens, Sky Sports are like, and in the Vicky Malloy rule, games will now be done with a huge clock, uh, which has been taken from an eighth division uh, Michigan High School and will be used for all games. Godspeed to you. Godspeed your parents. We'll take these two calls quickly because you've been amazing. You've hung on through all of my crap. So let me listen to yours, you beautiful human beings. Oh, next up, Luke LeGraff, who just sounds like a PSV striker. What a name. Tell us where you are, Luke LG, and what's your question? Hey, Rod. I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, you can hear me all right? Yeah, I hear you loud and clear. I just wish I was in Chattanooga too. Are you from there originally? <laughs> I am. Jealous. Jealous, Rod. Yeah? Yeah. Well, it is the, the scenic city of the South. So you should drop by. We have uh, our new, we have two soccer teams now. Growing up, uh, we had none. You know, uh, I started playing soccer, which I hate calling it that. I really, because I love the Dallas Cowboys. Now, well, I don't know if I love him anymore. That's another reason why I'm calling because <laughs> I feel I need your. Uh, you got, I'm an Uber driver, and people dump all their bad stuff on me when I'm driving them, and I'm feeling so bad that I need you to be my Uber driver. Oh, I need you to be my therapist about the Dallas Cowboys. I, correct, because you're an Everton fan, man, and I, uh, I I love you for it. I only watch Everton games because of you. Love I watch Everton. I watch and I watched Liverpool because they're badass, and that's about it. As you far as Premier League, such a lovely man. God, Dan, you are such a lutegraph. What a beautiful, beautiful person you are. That is, that is so incredibly generous. Um, hang on one minute. So Uber drivers, just to get this straight, you mean when people pop around into your car, you are like, you know, how the quintus the the, the stereotypical barman or bar bar staff person was in movies. Just people just just tell you their worries. Is that what happens nowadays in Ubers? Right. It can. It can. What's the wackiest crap you've heard? Like, well, geez. I mean, it, you know, they're, they're long stories. They're short. I mean, they're long, but they could, they're short. They're piled in to like 10, 15 minutes. 
but they are tragic. A lot of them are very tragic, you know. Rural South, you know, the rural South can be pretty sad at times. A lot of drug use, a lot of people getting abused and stuff. And I hear all of it, you know. And I'm just supposed to be, I just sit there and be like, well, I'm I'm sorry. Um, but do I, uh, this is going to sound terrible, but, I, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I'm an Uber driver. <laughs> I'm a failed soccer player. Uh, <laughs> failed soccer player and an Uber driver. Oh my I, you know, God. I just find it sorry. This, I'm sorry. This is, you know, this, is a, this is amazing. I mean, God, this is hard. And you know, you're hearing yeah. this then to know. I will say the, um, you know, during COVID, uh, the pandemic, the early days, um, you know, people would write into us with some of the hardest stories I've ever, you know, we always have a very personal and beautiful mailbag and we're very grateful. During COVID, we got some of the most complicated emotional letters from you incredible GFOPs um, that we've ever received. It was an honor to get them. Uh, it really is our mission in, in, in life to try and, and bring joy um, and to bring a sense of nourishment. And I remember in that time, uh, Luke, like, um, I remember that time there were a couple that stumped me. Like I would Google them and I'd speak to, I'd call up friends of mine who were like psychologists and therapists. So I knew what to say in some of the most complicated and harrowing realities. I feel for you that you are dealing with that every single day. Um, and you also remind me of a book I actually read at that time, a writer called Lee Durkee wrote a book called The Last Taxi Driver about uh, very much what you're describing. It's a brilliant book um, about a um, a driver and what they hear, what they feel, what they uh, how they experience as they navigate their own life and the lives of all of their passengers. Um, I mean, it is quite brilliant. I mean, what I'd say is, um, God, I wish, I wish, I wish I had good things to say to you about the Dallas Cowboys because I'm a horrible person. Um, and the well, honest truth is, I used to feel I used to I used to feel a relief when the Maver you know when the Dallas Cowboys were knocked out, when the Red Wings were knocked out in the in the hockey, because all the teams I support are crap. And when Manchester United, you know, didn't win the league, that was like a great season for me of sports. But I never had any <laughs> desire or thought my teams would win. Jerry Jones is a complicated man. Um, I mean, a very very as you know, a very very complicated man. Oh, um, yeah. And I just, here's what I would say about Dallas Cowboys. The, the thing I do admire about the Dallas Cowboys is their fan base, um, just the, the ever, um, just the, the hope, the optimism, the belief, um, the constant shock when it doesn't happen. And it's not happened a lot, a lot, a lot. But the kinship between them, I do admire it. The, 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 the deep, 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 profound connection um, amidst Dallas Cowboys nation. If I were a Cowboys fan, and I can't imagine being that. They would like me saying if I had hair, which I also can't imagine. That's what I'd say, Luke LeGraff. Enjoy the friendships that you have developed as a Cowboys fan that you share, that you feel the kinship of those fleeting. Yeah. Oh, and enjoy Bill Bates, mate. Just that guy. That guy was, oh, I do miss Bill Bates, your special teams player. He was just, never met him, would like to meet him. Um, but just the dedication, the tenacity, the madness um that he um that he used to bring on a regular basis um danny white oh my god i'm getting all excited and emotional now i need to pull it in and rein it in but i do believe luke legraff keep calling in i do believe there will be joy for you if everton can score a free kick baby dallas cowboys can do anything <laughs>
If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths. And where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used. Because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.mx slash you know. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking, what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami? There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Last caller to finish us off. I'm really pleased. I mean that sincerely. Finish us off. Uh, Robert Lazaro, tell us where you are, Bobby L., and what's your question? Hey, Raj. Bob here in uh, Northern Virginia. Uh, love the show. Uh, Arsenal fan. And uh, I also want to say thanks for the Men in Blazers patch. The Arsenal tattoo healed up really nicely. <laughs> Is that you? That's amazing. First of all, it's, Bobby Lazaro, tell us where you are in Northern Virginia, baby. I'm, I'm in uh, Reston, just outside of uh, Washington, D.C., man. I know it well. I've been, I've been to the big, isn't there a big mall there in Reston? Oh, you got the, uh, it's the largest mall in America, the Tyson's, uh, Tyson's Mall. And then that's one right. right. Just before, ju- just after I met my wife, I met her. Um, we had a great night. Um, I ran out the next day to the mall at Reston, Virginia. Uh, Tyson's Corner, and I brought a new television set and a new couch so she didn't have to see the old one, which I'd had, like, I found it in a back alley in Chicago. And I think if you sat on it, you could probably, I don't know if this works medically, but you could probably get pregnant. So I got rid of that couch really quickly, and I got rid of my television. Um, And I'm so grateful to Tyson's Corner, because without you, Tyson's Corner, I would not have four children and my wife today. Um, But tell the people what they really want to know. Tell us about this tattoo. Remind us. Not everyone will know this. Bobby, uh, okay. well, Bobby, I, I Bobby was, L. Uh, I, was, uh, I was at the uh, tattoo parlor having an Arsenal tattoo put on <laughs> while I'm watching the Aston Villa match. It was probably the wrong day to get it. Uh, but it's there and it's it's healed up nice. And uh, I wish Arsenal healed you up a little this, bit better. But, you said you know. there's a photo of this. Um, by the way, it looks so raw. It looks, it was like, it was that day, that defeat, that sense of just sudden a season of hope, just punctured, drifting. And then you sent that photo of this new, just, I mean, just, it just looked aching. And I'm not saying it was like the wrong side of septic or anything, but it wasn't good. And it was just a perfect image, Bobby L, for Arsenal fandom in that moment, raw skin, 
paid well, one of you, one of your commenters on Instagram Raj asked if I got it in prison the answer is no to that <laughs> whether Warder was a Tottenham fan is that what you're saying so hey. just just give me this journey because I am interested like I, I always say that so many fans in America were like hating football um, and now have like a Tottenham Hotspur tattoo on their forearm and they can't get from there to here. What was your journey from this land rested where Grant Hill is from? I mean, you're in, you were in football country in DC. I know it well, you were near where the great summers bar was the great uh, football bar uh, in the greater DC area now sadly closed. But that decision, when, what made you think, you know what? Yeah. Of all the things in the world, of all of my identities, of whatever the thing I most want to look at on the regs um, is an Arsenal logo. You know, I I, I just uh, started watching on on TV and just admire how athletic these players are and how much they train and the way they can move that ball and get the ball at the back of the net and um, just nothing but admiration for the the consummate athletes that they are. And uh, Arsenal was uh, a, a much more on TV here in Northern Virginia than some other teams. So I just said, hey, I'm an Arsenal guy. And Arsene Wenger was the manager at the time. And I enjoyed his style of football. I, 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 I am kind of sad that they let Olivia Giroud, the handsomest man in football, as you say, go. But um, I've, been a, I've been a fan for the last six or seven years. So now when you, with this new tattoo, when you wake up in the morning... And you just, that arm first comes into focus and you look down and you've got the Arsenal badge on your, on your like forearm. What does it say to you, Robert Lazaro? What does it say back to you? Does it say, let's attack the day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind? Or do you say, hmm. Hope, hope springs eternal, Roger. And uh, I, I love the team and uh, I think they're going to do I, I am optimistic that they finish at the top of the table, but uh, I have hope. God, you know what? Robert Lazaro, do me a favor. Email us, meninblazer at gmail.com. I want to send you one of my Arsenal Hope Kills mug. This could be your next tattoo <laughs> and could possibly well, go with it or at least can live side by side. The mental picture you the, you created for me, sending me your Arsenal tattoo. By the way, any of you listening who've gotten football tattoos of any kind, I would love to see the Men in Blazers at gmail.com. Send them in. I love them all. I love America. Nothing more than an American license plate with a football something on it. It thrills me to see you like, Alaska State Plate with like Daichi's Army written on or whatever. I love it. I love it. But the image of you, Robert Lazaro, strolling around Tyson's corner, sleeveless, just, I imagine like Arsenal fans flocking around that arm tat as you walk. Um, God, it is joyous to more, to more, to more. Um, and that brings tonight to a close. I do want to finish with a toast. Um, f- which was triggered by an observation by the great Bjorn Stromsness, um, who said, do you all see Luca De La Torre with his back heelish goal today? Oh, and an assist. He was magic. And the answer is yes, he was. LDLT, San Diego's finest, scoring a beauty for Celta Vigo in a 3-1 Copa del Rey win over Valencia. It's an incredible goal, just an instinctive back heel. Uh, it is beautiful to see that midfield technician working his magic. May he continue to build on this in La Liga in the weeks and months to come. Um, and you can read all about LDLT and all of our American men and women 
just grinding away abroad in our American States United newsletter. Sign up uh, via our men in Blazers website. There's a new issue that we are just finishing that is going to go out, I believe, tonight. And it is joyous to be with you. Absolutely incomplete. It's a massive week at Men in Blazers Media Network. Big, big news coming towards the end of this, which I'm so excited for. Before we go, quick mention for everything coming up on what we're doing. All of it powered by the GFOPs at Bud Light. Easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Tomorrow, brand new episode of This Week in Wrexham with our Welsh correspondent, the maestro, Tommy Cheese Lewis. Um, and this is an incredibly ambitious episode in which Tommy explains away Wrexham's rise, parallels a resurgence in Welsh national pride and the Welsh language. I can't wait for you to see it. Subscribe to our YouTube here. Smash that subscribe button and make sure you don't miss it. I've loved being with you. I couldn't see Everton. Uh, I can't see you, but I've loved both of these things. You have made my night. We will be net back next Wednesday with... Fabrizio Romano, come on and ask Fab whatever you want to ask him. And then the week after, transfer deadline day, I believe. Whisper it, don't shout it, with the great Rory Smith. Um, to you, it's a joy to be with you. Big, big love. Thanks to all my team who've made this possible. This is Rog saying courage. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Okay, so if you had a time machine, how far mm-hmm. in time would you need to go back to be a dominant basketball player of that era? <laughs> I need to go to when Bob Cousy was playing. Back I in, would, in the plumber 27 days? 27-year-old Shay would give Bob Cousy the f***ing business. <laughs> He's not guarding me. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shay and I are combing through all of the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling ones, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. Follow six trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Six Trophies ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.